Hey folks, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast and I really want to underscore how much I appreciate everybody who is supporting the Patreon. Starting with the next episode, uh, anyone who is supporting at any level will get early access, uh, which will be at least 24 hours ahead of time, uh, longer if I can arrange it. And uh, of course, you'll, people who are supported at the $5 and above level will get access to all of the bonus material which for this episode is a in-depth chat about the void, which Tony and I talk a lot about in this, and how to get there, how to sustain that, and what might come from building a practice around that. Uh, also, there's other great stuff like Barbara Moore and I discussing how to know if fate is at play in your life, or Chiron and I discussing how to cleanse yourself and giving practical, real examples of herbs that you can most likely get at any spiritual store in your neighborhoods to start cleansing and aligning yourself with where you want to go with your life. Uh, these bonuses are material that is only available for the Patreon supporters, and they are geared at sort of taking whatever it is we've discussed in the episode and really making it practical and applying it to your life. So I hope that you will go and support that at whatever level makes sense. Uh, there'll be an ever-increasing amount of those along with you'll get access to everything that's already been done. So once again, thank you, everybody. And if you haven't supported and you want to, just hit pause right now, jump over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp and get going. Welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Lamp Podcast. I'm here today with uh, Tony Poole. And I'm at Tony at uh, Reader Studio, which is a big uh, card reader convention uh, event in New York City in the spring every year. And I really enjoyed their approach to working with the cards because uh, unlike uh, some of the more maybe popular stuff that I was running into or had been running into, uh, Tony is deep into the fortune telling side, you know, deep into these sort of uh, more European uh, practices and decks like Lenormand and other things that have been going on for a long time, um, but for some reason never really gained their popularity in North America and, you know, but have been doing so in the last number of years. So for those who don't know who you are, Tony, why don't you give us a quick introduction? I am Tony. I'm also known as the Card Geek on social media and founder of the World Divination Association. I teach systems. I teach students around the world how to read systems like Kipper cards, Gypsy cards, and also Lenormand, and how to go back to basics and do the predictive style reads of the old-fashioned fortune tellers. On top of that, I teach the spiritual side of life, such as pendulum dowsing, pendulum healing, also symbol healing, all kinds of courses that I have through my years learned. And what I, I tend to teach what is important to me or important to me as a person. Mm -hmm. And I am a practicing... Ho'oponopono teacher 
And if you mix all that in together with a super practical person who loves theoretical physics, mm -hmm. who loves the theory of everything and try to break my brain daily on quantum physics, quantum field theory, and how we can actually explain all this amazing spiritual stuff we are doing but in a super practical way mm -hmm. and then if you throw in some marvel characters and generally a whole heap of superheroes you've got a rounded version of who i am uh -huh. i'm from the uk you can tell by the tone but i'm currently living in munich germany mm -hmm. so speaking german and english so if i do lose a word as we're talking is probably because my mind is in German mode. Mm -hmm. Totally fair. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll just remind you and you can be like, Oh yeah, yeah. English. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So very important question. Yes. Current, current favorite Marvel character. Oh, I have so many. I can't choose one. I love Dr. Strange. Uh -huh. I love Thor. Iron Man is my all time favorite and that will never change. Yes. Um, spoiler, but am, spoiler alert. He saves the world. <laughs> and I also love Loki. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> I like the both, both sides of the coin in Marvel. Nice. Yes. Uh, Marvel stuff gets a lot of play around my house. Everybody. I also have two boys and I push them in that direction so uh -huh. I can actually watch more. For sure. Well, that, that's your job as a parent, right? Exactly. My, you know, I, I remember there was a time probably, probably around when my kids started being like five and six, where I was like, how about we not watch that? How about we try this instead? Hey, look at this Spider-Man thing. Hey, look at Scooby-Doo. Yes. These are great. As opposed to some <laughs> yeah. of the other stuff where you're just like, if I have to listen to that again, my head's just going to melt right out of my ears. I can't deal with I it. I absolutely so. love going back with the kids as well because Lloyd, my eldest, mm -hmm. he is he is sort of a retro kid. He loves uh -huh. to go back to what I used to watch as a kid and then talk through it with me. And we talk daily on the way to school. We talk daily about the theories of Marvel and who or what movies are coming out next mm -hmm. and the properties of each superhero and how we would use that property if mm. we had it in our lives. And I think that's also a spiritual side to life where you, you also consider what you would do if you could. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's one of the parts of magic, right? Yeah. What, what do we, what would we do if we could? And then how can we, right? <laughs> yes. And that's also throwing the physics in there because there is the practical sense to it as well. Is there any way we can explain how we could possibly do that in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, my eldest, um, you know, uh, we, we always have these conversations after stuff um, like the Ant-Man movie where they end up in yes. the quote unquote quantum realm. Yes. Right. And, you know, and my, my eldest is like, that's not how it works. That's, that's not even a thing. They just made that up to look good in the movie. And but I love it that she thinks that. Yeah, for sure, right? And they really, um, you know, it was one of the things that when they started homeschooling, you know, they went to the library and one of the first books they checked out was Quantum Particle Theory. You Amazing. Know, it was just like, that's awesome. You're 10 yes. and that's what you want to read. Great. Amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. So maybe let's start with this. Ho'oponopono. What yes. is it? You know, it's, it's a lovely sounding word. What does it mean? It and, is. And it's, actually, 
is actually quite misunderstood. It's called the art of forgiveness. It comes from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And I actually learned about it probably eight years ago, maybe more. And I started doing the prayer. And the prayer is quite simple. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And like most people who start with Ho'oponopono, at the beginning, I thought I was sending people into balloons of bubbles and light and letting them go into the distance the art of forgiving other people. Mm -hmm. But actually when I researched it and started living the Ho'oponopono prayer, it is about forgiving or taking responsibility for our actions right now in this moment in mm -hmm. time. It's a belief system that we are all one, the collective consciousness, if you like, the return to zero, the null state at which we are born in spirit and then returning to that because everything that's incoming these days, all this information, social media, especially everything that's incoming is all something that we deal with. We react to something and that they're actually only physical things in the physical human existence. But if we return or if we can find a way to return to our nullness, our voidness, then we don't need to react. The, the mm. need has gone and you react in a very different way than you would have before. You may act angry or you may act hurt. We're taking responsibility for any problem that arises and we're saying, okay, we're here and we send the prayer up to this nullness, this void. Some people will call it God. Other people will call it void. Mm -hmm. But you send your prayer up and you are taking responsibility for your part of returning to void. Mm -hmm. And the more we cleanse, the more we return to void. Cleanse is just saying the prayer technically. Mm -hmm. The more you return to void and the more even and more neutral you are as a person. There's... I had times where I would have outbursts, etc. Mm. If I'm in the car and somebody had annoyed me while driving, I was not the calmest person. Uh, and it was when I realized that I actually needed to sort me out first. Mm. And that's where Hopo Opono really sent me on the path of accepting responsibility for me. Mm. I think it's so important, right? I think that um, we all need to find that understanding of where we are and what we're yes. responsible for and what we control and, you know, and, and all of those things, um, you know, in a way that allows us to be freer to be in the moment yes, maybe is a good way to put it exactly you know? and i think also there is this part of me that does want to break my brain and learn as much as possible but it's also important to filter out which bit of that learning is important for now mm -hmm. and yeah, for sure. taking responsibility for learning the right parts mm -hmm. for you 
and also taking responsibility to accept that you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that, you know, my question for you then is, right? So if you're returning to to null and to void or whatever we want to call those things, yeah. where where do you exist in that? What 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 are I you am, in that? I am null and void. I okay. am a part of the void. I it's it's not commonly accepted and the physics world don't like to hear it, but I strongly believe that quantum field theory will give us more information on the null state, more information on the void state. Mm -hmm. They call it a field. I call it a void. Mm -hmm. And I am part of that void as we all are. My human existence is completely separate to that void at times when I lose sight of who I really am. Mm -hmm. But so, then the, sorry, go ahead. Well, so are you, are you nothing then? Are you nobody? Is that, are you just I'm, that void state? Like, no, the, where's, I am, the, where's the part of you that is driven to start this world divination association? That doesn't sound very null or void. What's, no, it doesn't. Distinction? The distinction is that when you are in null or void, that is when the inspiration comes in. That's when the information comes in that is useful. We're so used to hearing white noise all the time yeah. that we can't actually hear null or void may be the wrong word for it, but that we can't actually hear the information that is important. Mm -hmm. So until I enter my state of null or void, the information that's coming out of me may not be the best information for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And the WDA was a spark of inspiration. The Kipper book I wrote was something that came to me and I had to do it and I had to do it immediately. And it it feels like a drive and I use the word void because I can't explain it in my psychic development courses. I can't explain it in any other way than your head has to be empty. Mm. There has to be no external information coming in except that spark from above or except that message, if you want to call it a message. Mm -hmm. So the returning to void is more of a state than a being. Mm. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, you know, the idea that like we need to just find that deep, deep silence, right? And we yeah. don't just mean like, by, by deep silence, we don't just necessarily mean like stop thinking but actually no. stop identifying with anything, right? Yes. You know, and there's a meditation that I often do with people where it's like you go through and sort of dissociate from your body, dissociate from your emotions, exactly dissociate that. from your thinking and your memories and so on and so on and so on, dissociate mm -hmm. from the world. And then you get to a place where there's something left. And yes. it's definitely you. That's you. That's what I call void. Mm -hmm. personally yeah. and i think people who have or suffer with depression 
actually understand that feeling a lot better without mm. even realizing it than people who don't. Mm. So I think um, depression has a lot to do with spirituality or where we are on our spiritual journey. And that emptiness isn't sometimes a horrible feeling if you aren't used to it. It is an emptiness. Mm like you say, and there's something left over, but you're not sure what. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's, uh, it can be that long dark night of the soul piece, right? Yes. You know, like, uh, who wrote that? St. John of the Cross? You know, there's That's a book right. on that, right? You know, and yeah. that place where it's like, you, you, you find despair so that you can find the light, you know? Yes. But like, you know, I think that that, I think that that's one of those touchy areas where it's like, sometimes that's true. Yes. Sometimes this world just sucks, right? Or sometimes biology or whatever. Sucks. And so there are mm -hmm. lots of ways to look at that. So if you're listening to this and, you know, uh, that doesn't feel helpful to you. Just no, this is true. I'm, I'm outside of that. It's a particular kind of relationship to that for sure. Right. Yeah. In the same way that, um, uh, shamanic sickness or near-death experience for some people um, and in certain situations can really open up to a similar kind of thing or other kinds of experiences. It yes. doesn't mean that everything is that way, but yeah, for sure. No. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I think we have to accept that we don't know everything. For sure, right? And whatever we talk about, we can talk about till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, we can't prove it. No, for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, the proof, the proof is in the practice, I think. Right? Yes. Is, you know, is it helpful? Is it getting me somewhere? Is it, is it yes. helping me move forward? Am I making uh, real change or sustaining the, the life that I have that I want? I mean, I think that to me, those are the, you know, the longer I, the longer I journey on a path with divination and magic and other things, those become the, the real measures of what seems helpful or, or important. That's very true. And for one person, it would be different to another mm -hmm. person's journey. For sure. For sure. So how did, how did you find Ho'oponopono living in Germany? Or maybe you found it while you're in the UK. As a, you know, did you visit Hawaii? Did someone bring it to you? How did it show up? In your no, life? like most things in life, it turned up on my doorstep. I think the paths or the routes that we go down just happen to either turn up or you've made a cosmic order <laughs> for a certain path to go on. And they show up at your door. And honestly, when I first started reading about it, I used it as a coping mechanism mm. at the time. And it was shortly after I had my first boy, Lloyd. And I think it was more of a getting through the day coping mm -hmm. method and I didn't truly understand it as a lifestyle until mm -hmm. recently mm -hmm. so it was like everything it showed up mm -hmm. well and I think that spiritual paths are often like that right yeah you know they 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 take us where we need to go 
not whether we want where, to or not. Where we expect it, whether we expect it or not, right? Exactly. And even you know, even when we grow up around stuff, I think you know, it's it's always difficult to truly understand what's going on in someone else's experience. Yeah. And so as we become a practitioner, you know, or a leader or teacher or whatever, it all starts to change and grow. And we grow through that too, right? And well, the we become- reason, the reason I like Ho'oponopono for that is because you aren't projecting your ideas on anybody else. Mm-hmm. The taking responsibility yourself means that you look at the person who sat opposite you and you aren't seeing them through your own experience. You are mm-hmm. seeing them through a, I'll use void again, through a void experience where there are no expectations or no preconceived ideas. And you don't actually need to understand their journey, mm. but you can still play a part in it. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's actually a really interesting point too. You know, I find when I'm reading for people, there's this sort of idea that people put towards me that I understand everything about them or that everything, even everything that I'm saying, right? Yeah. And it's not it sometimes like i mean you know there are times where i have like a deep level of understanding about it and then there are times where a peculiar phrase that i wouldn't normally use comes out or i use a metaphor that i don't remember ever using before and there's something in that process that emerges that makes a ton of sense to them but to me i'm kind of like you know if someone asks i'm like i don't know I just said it, right? I was just I was just doing the work and letting the work come through me, right? I presume also that you forget those reads very quickly afterwards as well because you've probably passed on the message that needs to be passed on and it didn't have to become a part of you. Mm-hmm, for sure. I forget a lot of readings. <laughs> it's too hard to hold on to them. It's like, you know, I'm just going to like just be super loose about this and let it go. And then I think that's the only way when you do regular readings Mm -hmm, for sure. Okay. So on one side, we got the void, right? Mm -hmm. And on the other side, we've got time, space and prediction. Yes. Right. What's the relationship (laughs) for you? (laughs) Or, or if you want to share like some, some, I have a, (laughs) a super dodgy relationship with predictions and fortune telling etc because while i do have this side of void and spiritualism etc i have the side where i use systems and i actually use systems for a reason and i probably haven't shared this many places, but I use systems so I don't have to channel. When I channel, I don't, I can do it all day long if I want to, but I have built up barriers through the years to stop the channeling happening because Mm -hmm. I am more 
comfortable passing on a predictive read and a fortune telling read when it's clear in the cards. I think this is this duality within me that I need proof mm -hmm. and the physics side of Tony and then the void side of me that is letting loose and letting everything mm -hmm. happen. So I have this two sides of my relationship with cards and spirit that at times I struggle with personally, but that's because my physic hat comes on one day and I think, oh my goodness, how can I tell them that that's going to happen when I, the only proof I have is a system in front of me. Mm -hmm. But I do it anyway, because that's, <laughs> that's part of being a fortune teller and part of being a predictive reader. And mm -hmm. when I get emails back saying how wonderful and, and it's amazing that you will predict because I think a lot of readers these days don't want to predict. They want to use it as a psychological tool or some kind of tool for making people feel better, which is awesome if that's the root or a person that you are. I'm not that person. I want to know what's going to happen next week when I go to the shop mm -hmm. down the corner. I'm quite simple, a quite simple person. I want to know if I'm, for example, moving house this year. Mm -hmm. I want to know where my journey is going and I want the building blocks along the way. I want to see exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I, I do the predictive side of it and I do have my void side of it where I will channel and I will bring in messages, but I prefer the systems because it's in black and white in front of you. And that's probably the proof that I require for my physics hat person. I require the proof of the system in front of me. I think that, um, you know, looking for evidence or corroboration in yes. what you're doing right is yes. is one of the most important parts of doing divination you know when I, when i'm reading cards for people i'm pointing at the cards and i'm saying look look here you can see it yourself look at what this person's yes. doing this is you this is this this da, da. you know when uh carrie and i teach you know um mediumship through charm casting right yeah. you know we're looking for that for that corroboration it's like well okay, you want to speak to your grandmother, but what hero, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, here's the, here's the gardening tool. And me, me and my grand used to spend all our time out back puttering with the flower pots. It's like, okay, yeah. now we've got some corroboration, right? Now we've got exactly some evidence. That. And I think yeah. that, you know, channeling and, and open receiving messages is great too. And it, there can be evidence in that process as well. There can be. Who you're working with and how that's coming. Yes. But yeah, where there's no evidence, where there's no relationship, you know, I something lovely might be going on there, but I don't, I don't actually know and understand what that is, and therefore exactly. I'm skeptical. I do teach. I can't say I don't do it. I teach automatic writing. Mm -hmm. I teach all the qualities of becoming a great medium, or some people want to call a great psychic for the mm -hmm. predictive reads. But I think it's super important for that corroboration. But I also think it's important to have a process that you go down for that. So mm -hmm. that, yes, I do have information coming in, but I make sure when in, that information is coming in when I'm in void. 
I'm very much controlling my environment and myself so that I have the physics me who is in human existence and controlling it. But then the other side when I am in void. So when I, I am controlling when I am entering void and I can do a very practical and physics minded predictive read using systems mm -hmm. because it's all there in front of you. Mm -hmm. So when you're channeling, right? Mm. What, what are you channeling? Nothing? The void? something else no What's... the no no the sorry the the void that i am in is my free space for messages and for spirit for ancestors for any form of fey garden people any <laughs> any uh -huh. elementals is yep. probably the better word and or other species so the void is creating the place for me to do that it's creating a null zero in me it's basically my spirit mm. but not using the words right. it's my free spirit and my free place for people or people it's probably the wrong word for spirit to come in and give me the information that i need sure entities right yes yes um, although some people get nervous with that word, I think it's the best word to be honest, because it implies a, uh, an autonomy that some other words that people choose sometimes like get rid of. Right. You know, so like, yeah, oh. I think the problem with me is that I'm always looking for the right word mm -hmm. and maybe I like void. It's a word that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily make sense to anybody else, mm -hmm. but it's a word that I've given it that actually makes sense in my existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that it makes total sense, right? You know, I mean, I think of it this way when I'm, when I'm going to work or channel for people, I center myself in a, in a, a bunch of, in a really sort of deep compassionate place. Yes. And I open up myself to what wants to come through, right? Yeah. And people are always like, well, how do you read the cards? How do you do whatever? I'm like, well, it's psychic. It's ancestors. It's my guide. It's psychology. It it's, you know, my 30 odd years of study. It's blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and I don't seek to control anything around that. I just sort of point it towards the process, right? Yeah, and it's what more needs like to emerge emerges preparing as the place. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's not about uh, deciding ahead of time. At least for me, well, this is going to be where we're going to, you know, be really strictly this way because I only I only read one system of cards, right? All okay. I work with is Marseille cards. Okay, so I don't do anything else with people um, in general. Um, but it's like that. One of the things that I love about that deck right is that for me it it also is to steal your word uh, a void space right to me yeah. the beauty of the marseille is that it will accept all of those things and feed into all of those processes in a way that personally i find other decks harder to 
hold that energy because they are they're more deliberately specific yeah and i think we you said a, a really nice thing that we're we're holding a space for that and i explain it sometimes like when we're born we come in with no expectations no preconceived ideas and it's like returning to that state mm -hmm. and that's when the information is incoming or the reads are incoming or whatever word you want to put it the entities are incoming mm -hmm. for sure so thus i i we had a lovely heap of questions that kind of came in <laughs> on Facebook. And, you know, if, if you listen to the podcast and you, you don't follow me on Facebook, you, you might want to, because it gives people the opportunity to, you know, pose questions that I look over and try and bring some of them anyway, to the, to the thing, to the podcast and to the guests. But so, so a bunch of the, the some of the questions seem centered around ideas of sort of um, measuring or discerning or categorizing different things you know somebody was asking about the the ghosts or the spirits in their house mm -hmm. um, somebody was asking about how do we measure their own energy um, yes. you know and and other other things along those lines and so I guess what I want to sort of try and summarize that question as a starting point is how do you discern the qualities of the energy or the entities that are around you? Or the, when first you're thing, the first thing I do is return to void for me yeah. and return to nothingness so I can sense what's around. So mm -hmm. the inside me or the spirit of me can actually feel. This feels the wrong word. There aren't words big enough for that. But when it comes to spirits, there are so many different feelings that come attached to them for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I explain it like personalities. Yes. So you will have people in your life who just rub you up the wrong way. And sometimes a spirit will come in and they'll do exactly that. They will rub you up the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Then Faye, for example, they come in and it's more of a buzzing mosquito type energy that you are dealing with. And the way I discern what's around or even the energy within the environment that I'm in, I bring myself back down, as you say, you're centering but I bring myself down where I can feel what level that energy is at. And once I discern what level it's at, whether it's a, a high vibration or a, a lower vibration, I work with pendulums, obviously. Mm -hmm. The word vibration, obviously. I work with um, vibrational healing as well. And so a a an entity will come in for me with a vibration and it is that vibration that I then, I, I detect it, but then I also assimilate to it hmm. so that my energy can then accept 
the energy that's incoming or can accept them in order to receive a message or in order to understand why. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you categorize them good and bad? I don't categorize them in good or bad. I think there's a fine line between good mm-hmm. and bad. And well, I, if you're if you're working with the Fae, there's no line. There's just chaotic, right? <laughs> or whatever, right? The, That's exactly there's, there's what no I morality teach. per se. That's exactly what I teach. They are and they really don't like me at times. They mm-hmm. they can be really onerous, the sure. Fae to deal with, and they aren't really fond of me but i I, you know when you were talking about sort of spirits and i think you said something like spirits in in your garden or whatever right i mean it's like the first thought that came to me was the idea what's the message get off my land (laughs) you know like why'd you build this crap here get out of here why isn't it wild i had a problem when i moved in this house at at the beginning because i stepped over some lines in the garden Mm -hmm. and my youngest can actually see elementals mm-hmm. and he saw quite a few in the garden who weren't really pleased with our presence right <laughs> but th- th- going back to dark the dark good bad dark light it's all a, di- a different level a different vibration and i deal in vibrations rather than what's good or what's bad if something has a vibration that i am uncomfortable with it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad mm-hmm. i have had uh higher beings i don't know what you want to call them come in who actually your instant reaction is oh my god what on earth is this mm. but it's some a, a being that can help you on your path, mm-hmm. not necessarily something who's there to do you harm. Mm. One of the things that I find myself more and more interested in when I'm talking to um, people around this kind of work these days is, you know, people are very focused on what is the message, right? Which mm-hmm. is 100% understandable but I'm actually always really curious about why this is going on, especially if it's a more negative for that person experience. Right. I'm like, well, that's, that's cool that this thing are are uncool or unpleasant or whatever it is. Right. That's interesting that there's this thing happening and you know, you're having a, 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 an unpleasant experience with it. And certainly we can deal with that. You know, like there are Mm -hmm. plenty of ways to resolve that. But, but what I'm most interested in, so I'm like, why is that happening? What's the mechanism that's causing that to occur? Because these things, they're not random. You know, it's very rare that a person strolls down the street and acquires a random thing. If people walk very down true. the street and acquire a random thing, it's because of something in their energy that mm-hmm. permits that or encourages that. Yeah. But they're also not necessarily destined in the way that people also talk about that right like it's people are like well you know it just had to be that this thing showed up at this time to make this happen it's like maybe possibly but often there there are other reasons at play so i'm always really fascinated at sort of the mechanisms of why that happened why has it happened now what are the situations that brought this about you know it's it's like your physics mind right it's it's my it's my sleuth mind i'm like okay 
what I don't understand is why everybody thinks it's always a message or why they always have to be sent to the light. There's this instant reaction. Oh, we need to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, going back to my beliefs in quantum physics, the field theory, I really think it has something to do with fields and the field in which spirit are, the field in which we are co coexisting somehow. I obviously can't explain it until a good physicist pulls his finger out, uh -huh. but uh, I did actually write into a podcast and ask, <laughs> ask one of these CERN physicists yeah. why why or how we can explain this quantum entanglement and whether that could explain me doing something and then it having a ripple effect at your end, for example. Mm. But they, they answered, but they don't know the answer. Sure. So I, I, I don't, I, I want to know why I'm like you. I, I don't necessarily need to hear a message. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, yeah, I think that, you know, this, this idea of um, messages and the universe constantly talking to us and so on, it is and it isn't, but I think that it's, why would it be different than all the input of, you know, I live in Toronto, I live in a very big metropolitan center, right? Mm -hmm. It's a constant input of, of information, right? Yes, that's exactly 90, it. 99.99% of it is noise. That's right? exactly it. Some days 100% of it is noise. Mm -hmm. It's not It's not for me. That's right. I'm just around and it's happening. And that's where Hopo comes back in again because it is that white noise, that constant white noise. And whether it's white noise from spirit or white noise on the physical level of life, it is still white noise. And only when we are free of all that constant information, can we actually hear what we need to hear. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right. So where's, you know, a lot of the questions, the other thing that here was this, this question, right? This idea of intention in the questions, there are mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of questions that sort of centered around, how intentions impact readings, how, how does being clear about intention, you know, affect the process, so on and so on. How does, for you, right? So the, the, the void state is, uh, sounds like a, a very neutral state, right? Yes. You're not actively generating anything because you want to sort of be, be present mm -hmm. and or receive, right? Correct. So, What's the active component of that? What's the intention component around your practice or your life in that? I teach to nail down intention so far so as if you were a lawyer. Uh -huh. So I am a huge Judge Judy fan and I will watch her just to see how she nails down people so they can't give a squiffy answer. Uh -huh. But the reason I do that is not because of going against void or anything like that. It's because you can't go wrong if you have 
asked a clear question, you can expect what kind of answer. So when you are learning to read cards, when you are learning to do anything, if you are clear in your intention, it's for you only. It's you that wants the answer. Mm -hmm. So you are doing it for yourself to make sure that there is not an inch of leverage in the cards and their interpretation so that you can be a hundred percent sure that you've nailed that predictive read mm. because if your intention is skewy in the first place it's for your mind only how can your mind be understanding an answer if it hasn't been clear on what it's asking mm. so number one go watch judge judy everybody get yourself yeah. an education right exactly i i love it you know, there are lots of things that are, um, I, I learned from so many different places, right? You know, mm -hmm. and like, I remember way back in the sort of like news lists days of the internet, right? Yeah. Um, I was on this Thelemic group and there was this uh, person there who, you know, I don't know, they had a PhD in something or other. And all they would do though, was they would just read people's posts and then, explain the logical fallacy in their statement right okay and and i spent like a long time reading a lot of posts from this person mm -hmm. and and taking notes literally be like oh that's a neat one what's that one that's a neat one what's that oh look this is where i do that until i started seeing them in the rest of my life right yeah. the logical fallacies because you know we think that we are it's easy to feel clear right it's yes. easy to think that we know what we're asking or how we're asking it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's so woodgy woodgy in our brains, right? Like it's not it's, as crystal clear as we think at all. Right? I also think too, because I speak to well, three languages, I think when you are a language speaker, you understand the nuances in language a lot more than somebody who is just a pure English speaker. That, that's not be mean in any way. I just mean you understand that there aren't words that exactly incorporate the meaning of what you're trying to intend or come across with. For sure. So what our intention is may not be clear to somebody who sat next to us, which means in turn, it may not be clear when we lay the cards. So if we learn how to formulate our language as if it were a legal document, then you are covering all the bases to make sure that you have clarity when it comes to the answer. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. You know, it reminds me of, um, uh, there's an author called Milan Kundera who wrote a book called The Unbearable Lightness of Being, but they wrote, um, other books, I can't remember the specific ones now, but a lot of their books um, sort of start with this thing. They're like, well, if you spoke Czech, there's this word. Okay. And this word kind of means this. Yeah. And then the whole story is, is an explanation of that. And when they circle back at the end of the book and be like, see, blah, this word, yeah. right? Well, I've noticed it most in, in speaking German, obviously, they will speak English with a different nuance than I will speak German. 
there will be the same words when you look at them in the dictionary, but uh-huh. they mean different things. They feel different. So when you say one word in English and you say the translation in German, it will feel different. And that means the message is already on a different level. No, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so intention as clarity of question, right? Mm-hmm. Intention yes. as clarity of self around question. Yes. And Judge Judy will teach us the way. Yeah. Yes. You know, I feel like we need to make some saint candles for Judge Judy now. Please, <laughs> please, Judge Judy, give me the clarity to ask a solid I honestly question and wa- get a solid answer. I watch her just so I can see how she nails them down. Mm-hmm. For sure, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's um, such, a, such an interesting and helpful process, right? Like when I read for people, there's definitely these times where they like, they say, they, they ask this question. And I'm like, so what I hear in your question is that you want me to tell you that everything's going to be okay. Yes. And they're like, well, uh, and, and then they're like, well, maybe I'm like, well, that's, that's a hundred percent fair. Welcome to being human. We all have that. But yeah. also if we open the cards, I can't tell you, like, I can't tell you what we're going to see. Right. I think it's similar to, I have a few pet hates they're not really hates at all but there are questions that i think a a newbie who is reading Uh shouldn't use at the beginning because it's harms it harms their future predictive reads Mm -hmm. for example should i do something yes who is to say whether you should or you shouldn't Mm. who is spirit to decide what you should or shouldn't do well, I have an idea about that. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so I actually love that question. Really? Yes. Right? But I love that question because of my religious practice. Right? So, you know, as a as a priest in the Kumi tradition, you know, an Afro-Cuban mm-hmm. lineage who, you know, has studied and practices uh, divination within that system and so on, the idea of should we do this thing um, rests in the belief that we have some kind of destiny, right? That we have, that we're not here with an open-ended clean slate of everything, everything and anything could be on target, but you know, only certain parts of the buffet are actually in a, a real deep level of alignment with who we are and why we chose to incarnate at this time. So for me, the should question, especially in the religious context, is one that makes a bunch of sense to me because I feel like there are things that, that at certain decisions we should and shouldn't do if we want to stay in alignment with that, that actual but purpose. Is that not in line with your own guides and already having the relationship and the knowledge of your guides, who they are, who your ancestors are and this long learning process of understanding who they are and that they are working in your best interest Mm -hmm. rather than somebody who's coming to the table and asking the should I question and not knowing who they are Mm -hmm. requesting that information from. I mean, I think it really depends on, um, 
what the nature of the should is, right? Or the nature of that question is, right? You know, um, I, I was just talking about this with my elder recently, you know, because we were talking about the context in which me making sure that I'm divining about stuff makes sense for me in the coming year because of what came out in, in the reading. And it makes sense for me to think about all those things. It makes sense mm-hmm. for me to be clear about them. It makes a ton of sense to not um, use the should question as a scapegoat or permission yeah. or abdication of control. Exactly that. Mm-hmm. But it comes to a place where there are things that are uh, beyond knowing, right? We butt up against that mystery. And does it make sense for me to make this change in my business in a certain direction? But you I can see, have a bunch a slight, of ideas, right? That's a slight nuance in question asking whether it makes sense to do something rather than asking for the permission to do something See, i don't think of should right i i think that some people use should questions maybe it's a language thing again well i think some people use should questions as point of permission right yes you know um should i break up with betty it's like look yeah. if you don't like betty break up with Betty. exactly Just get over it right <laughs> if you're if you're already asking that question that's you know exactly. there's, there's something you need to figure out there and the cards don't need to yeah. tell you that right yeah um but I think that there are, there are uh, you know, lots of questions that like, you know, should I, should I do this thing? Is this thing, you know, we could phrase them in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is this in alignment with my true self to do this? You know, so on, right? Is this the time for this to happen? Um, but for me, should, and by the time I get to a should question, it's, it's only those things, right? Well, that's only that level of question. That's perfect as for me, as long as you have that understanding already. I think it's coming to the table and asking permission to do something mm-hmm. that I, the, the only reason I see it as an issue in new readers is because they see it as a, a, a strict yes or no. Yes, you should. No, you shouldn't. And there is then in the answer, it's often unclear then to a new reader whether the cards are positive 100% yes, Uh or whether they are a nuance of yes, or whether they are a strict no. And I think the, the intention when they sit down to ask those questions when starting colors the read then afterwards with their own emotional projection or on it allows a looser read is probably or allows emotions to come in yeah i think i'm definitely with you if you're going to ask a question like that um there's no space for ambiguity in the question in the process right there's no space for um you know kind of like open-endedness it's like look I'm going to do this or I'm not. Am I going to? Yes. Does it make sense? Yes or no. And that's where um, diligence and discipline. Yes. In the reading of the cards, you know? Yes. Because for me, it's like, if I'm going to ask a yes or no question, I'm only going to read the cards in a certain way. I might go do another spread if I want other information. Exactly that. 
that's it, you know? And actually in my book, I used the yes and no question, which uses the least cards in the deck. Uh I did it as an advanced spread in the back of the book for the Mm -hmm. reason that they have to, or readers have to understand that there is a difference in the way that you're reading. Yeah. And, you know, just to pull it full circle, maybe, I think that your capacity, anyone's capacity to be good at those kinds of questions rests on your ability to be clear about what you're asking and your ability to be centered in what you would call the void space. Yes. Right. Or what I might call something different, because if you can do those two things, then you can, you know, rock it out with that stuff. But if you can't do those things, then, you know, you're, you're, you know, it, it's like, uh, it kind of goes, you're, you're moving towards my metaphor of like how Ouija boards work for people who don't have a lot of experience with spirits, right? It's like, pick the busiest, you know, town square that you got, go there, put on a blindfold, mm-hmm. and then out loud, ask for an answer to your question. Wait to, for somebody to tell you, yeah. and then wait a while and leave never knowing who that was. Who was that person? Do they have something valuable to add? You know, it's also similar to dowsing because we all can influence the outcome of dowsing by our own experiences and carrying that into the question. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our subconscious and shadow have direct control to our nervous system. So therefore it's pretty easy for, you know, unresolved stuff to to make exactly. it play there too right yeah yes <laughs> um so it's been great chatting with you today but i think we're kind of hitting the point where we should start wrapping this up though uh even though i think i could sit and chat with you all day it, it's gonna just sound like this i agree with you yes i, I agree. agree with you i agree with you <laughs> definitely um so people should definitely be be following you and checking out where you're at and stuff. Where should they come? Where's the the best place for people to find you on the internet? All over social media as at the card geek is my hashtag. And if you look for the world divination association, you will find me on most platforms. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today and for, you know, yeah. Organizing your schedule. Yeah. My pleasure. All right, folks, that's episode 104 in the books, as they say. And uh, I've got all sorts of wonderful guests coming up. I hope that you have enjoyed this a ton and that you can do me the solid of hitting the share button, writing a comment about it, uh, or even better, still going to uh, Apple or wherever you're listening to these podcasts and leaving a review. Uh, These things help people find it, which help expand its reach which continue to support me putting the energy into this to uh, really get it out there. All right. I appreciate every single one of you who listened. I will be back in two weeks with another episode.